Today I'm joined by um, Erin Hallett, who is an experienced higher education alumni relations and external relations senior leader who has a diverse background that includes private, public and not-for-profit roles. Erin um, is currently working at Cambridge Judge Business School and she has a background as a head of uh, alumni relations at Imperial College Business School as well as uh, improving mental health and society pioneer. She has also uh, worked as an alumni engagement manager and her background uh, involves developing strategies that develop lifelong mutually beneficial relationships as well as significant in that international experience working collaboratively and across cultures. She is a proven leader committed to developing high-performing and healthy teams, as well as a mental health advocate with a specific interest in mental health and well-being in the workplace. Thank you so much for joining us today, Erin. If you could also tell us a little bit about your background, please. Thank you so much for having me. And it's really, I mean, it's especially meaningful because of our shared connection, but also because you went to Imperial and uh, Imperial changed my life for the better in so many ways. And that's where I started my mental health advocacy and what led me, you know, move forward. So it's really a pleasure. And I thank you so much for reaching out to me. Um, I just spent a lot of time uh you know, starting a new life in the UK, I've had tremendous opportunities and tremendous support. And one of the best things is that it led me to become more open about mental health, particularly in the workplace, which I didn't really expect because I think a lot of people associate Western culture, um, particularly countries like Canada and the US as being really open. But I feel in a strange way that I've been able to be more open about my experiences in the UK, which is different to a degree. Um, and I mean, thank you so much for uh, sharing this with us. Um, and I'm really glad, you know, uh, that you've been very honest about this because a lot of people would be able to relate. They might not be able to vocalize it, but by sharing your path, sharing your journey certainly you know they'll be able to relate to it as well as having the courage to sort of begin to share the experiences which is incredibly important um i'm going to start off with asking you what are your personal experiences of well-being and what do you think needs to further evolve in society i think there's a couple of things i think i had a lot of experiences before i had the language for well-being as growing up with things that my family was going through. And then as I got older and started, you know, making friends and learning about their experiences, but well-being and mental health wasn't really part of the language. Although my mom, she used to give me mental health days from school back in the 80s and 90s, which was quite um, ahead of her time. I guess she could recognize something in me you know, levels of anxiety that she knew weren't necessarily healthy and that I needed someone to put a halt to that and to give me a break, which is amazing when I look back on it. And it's something I think increasingly we see it in organizations where you can tick mental health if you're having, you know, if you're taking a day off for being ill, like it's becoming more legitimatized. I'm saying that word correctly, but 
I still think, as you just said, a lot of people have a hard time putting that into language and being open about it. So it's important we talk about it. Um, and I'm completely sorry, I lost the second half of your question. I don't know you're talking. Oh, a, I think what, 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 do you, what do you think needs to further evolve in society as regards to mental well-being? Yeah, sorry. I think a couple of things. I think how we talk about it generally, like you and I having this conversation is one of the ways we can help normalize and destigmatize. I think getting it's not a one-size-fits-all approach for everybody. It works for me or for you or for someone in your life. It might not be the best thing for you. I mean, I talk a lot about how when I was quite unwell, and there's been periods when I've been better and worse throughout my life, like a lot of people, and people would say to me, oh, just exercise or eat healthy. And I just think, I I can't. Like, it's not that I don't want to, but those things aren't working for me. So it's it's not just saying to somebody, take a deep breath. It's appreciating that there is a spectrum and what may work for one person, what they may find relief or calm or whatever in isn't going to work for everyone else. So I think that's a big thing that has to change. Like, you just can't slap something on. Just like, you know, people don't always respond the same way to medication for physical illnesses. Of course, um, and I completely agree, you know, I think um, sometimes the way to even vocalise our experiences, it's a skill and it needs developing, it needs kind of that analysis um, and, you know, when, for example, people are going through mental health crisis or they're going through different parts in their life, they are not e- able to comprehend what they're actually experiencing, let alone having the ability at that moment in time to analyze it equally so sometimes it's not that people are uh, unwell in themselves it's just something a life event that they've experienced or something has shocked them and they're not able to comprehend that particular experience and again you know struggling to um put that into words and I completely agree with you on that you know that language is that first step and the importance of it in sort of having those conversations having those dialogues you know normalizing it the that we can have safe mental wellness spaces we can have these conversations I think I absolutely agree with you on that 100% Um, my next question is as your work uh, involves around alumni, what would you identify as mental wellness needs in this sector, in this aspect, um, that requires further focus? And the, the the reason I ask is, you know, you're working with uh, people that have graduated from university, you know, they came as sort of very young adults at the age of 18, sort of on the cusp, just literally from turning from, you know, youth children to adults then sort of having this maturity and then leaving as alumni. And my question mark would be, you know, maybe there's some of them. I know I certainly wasn't a fully functioning adult at, um, you know, 25, let alone 21 years old when I graduated. So what, what, because that's a very, you know, um, specific age group and that continuum as well where suddenly you are in the wider world so as you work with alumni you know what would you identify their mental wellness needs what have you seen from your experience 
I think that's such a good question. I was thinking about this a lot today. I mean, I think generally higher education has to do a better job. And exactly what you said about that continuum of looking at, you know, the person, the individual as a pre-candidate right through to their alumni journey um, and how they progress through their career. And that doesn't just include career support or academic support. And I think, you know, institutions like Imperial or Cambridge that are generally speaking fairly high performing um, need to do quite frankly a better job and there's stories every year of you know universities all across the UK where student mental health is in decline and we've seen that certainly uh, with COVID and the challenges and I know that uh, a lot of these places including Cambridge are uh, putting extra resources into the kind of support they give students. And hopefully that will equip them for alumni. I mean, anecdotally, what I've seen from working with business school alumni is a lot of um, entrepreneurship and you know, artificial intelligence coming up in that mental health space. So I worked with somebody at Imperial who created this amazing mental health app called Minerva. And he had been in the NHS and, you know, had some of his own experiences. And from that, he's created this incredible app that is, you know, we're seeing that trend, right? With mental health, there's apps coming out and things that you can do to help support you if you can't get the access you need. But for me, generally, it's about, you know, having those conversations early, providing the right support that's, you know, specific for an individual if possible, and not being afraid to ask for help. I think there was a great thing I saw on Twitter earlier today where one of the universities in the UK has started doing massive signposting saying, you know, things like it's okay not to be okay. So really pushing those messages and making that obvious. Because as you just said, a lot of the time when you're in that space, you don't really know where to go or what to do. Um, and I sometimes take it for granted because I've been talking about these things for so long. But I think back to that time when, you know, again, I couldn't articulate what I needed and I was afraid to articulate it if I did know what I needed. Absolutely, Erin, you know, and it's just uh, when I think back to my own experiences or even if you think about um, your own experiences, um, when you're at school, there's actually quite a lot of support. You're signposted, you have counselling services, you have so many activities like camping, um, you know, uh, even I remember in the English uh, classes, our teachers, we used to have a story time. Uh, even if you think back to primary school, golden, you know, golden circle time, like different sort of wow. pastoral, you know, where your pastoral needs were met, especially in primary school, then secondary school as well. And then university as well in, well, the first year, you know, when you go in as freshers, there is quite a lot of activities, there's a quite a lot of societies, everybody wants to know you, everybody wants to support you. But that cusp of when you actually become an alumni, when you're in your third year or fourth year, you've graduated, suddenly you're in the big wide world and you've got to get jobs, you've got to adjust, then the personal relationships come into play. And there's just this, um, I just I just remember having just a Bambi moment coming into the real life. I mean, um, Imperial was, you know, as I like your experience, you know, absolutely, absolutely loved Imperial. Um, it, it will always hold a very special place in my heart. Um but just coming out of university after graduating as an alumni, oh goodness, you know, this was something 
I have to say, looking back, I was not prepared for at all. Um, so what do you think things could be done to improve things for the better? Generally, or with alum, or, I mean, generally, I think a lot of what you said just rang true for me. We, especially, like, I think there's a lot of expectation that comes from being an alumnus of somewhere like Imperial. I mean, I know even from just working there, and I was nowhere near qualified, nor would ever be to attend there. But there is a certain gravitas and expectation that comes from being associated with these places. So I think that adds an extra layer of pressure. And then what you were saying, all of a sudden you're hit with, you know, do I get a mortgage? How do I get a job? Do I move abroad? Like, what's the impact on my personal relationships? So for me, again, it goes back to embedding how we talk about mental health and well-being as part of everyday thing, much in the way we talk about how do you set up a bank account? How do you ride the tube in London? Um, you know, how do you find your first flight? Like all those things, because they're important life skills. We teach children that when they're sick, they go to a doctor. Like when they're physically sick, they go to the doctor. We should be giving those same sort of lessons. Like if you're feeling unwell in yourself, physically, emotionally, seek help like that's okay there's people out there that want to support you that are there to support you everything from you know the incredible free resources we have in this country like the samaritans or mind or you know charities like anxiety uk to if you're fortunate enough to access the private healthcare system but there's no shame in that and the more we can sort of embed that in everything that we do i know one thing we're looking at right now at judge is you know making that part of sort of the orientation piece for students like okay you know this is what you need to do and this is having people talk about their lived experience I also think it's important particularly with alumni and students is to get people who've had those experiences to come out and talk about them so whether it's having a young alumnus come talk to a class of you know first second or third years whatever the case may be our other alumni in a peer-to-peer group sharing their experience, which I know is terrifying. Um, but the more they can do that, the better we all are, especially, again, if you're in an industry like law or finance or tech or really anything where that's just not what you do. Um, and finally, I think the other challenge is, is a lot of these institutions, which is a huge privilege, are international. And that needs to be taken into account because I always say it's like one thing for me to sit around and talk about my mental health. But I come from, like I said, my mom gave me mental health days back in the 80s and 90s. I'm pretty sure that's not the experience of a lot of my international colleagues, alumni or students. Like them even talking about how they're feeling is frowned upon and terrifying. You know, so I think there needs to be that recognition that, again, it's not just like, oh, go talk to somebody, because that is could be so far removed from their experience that it's, you know, it's terrifying. Absolutely. Um, and thank you so much for sharing, you know, those experiences. Again, that continuum, that transition, like you said, you know, whether you, you have like men- mentorship in the sense of the senior years 
or you know somebody that's already in the workplace kind of guiding that would because there's so many different aspects that you're dealing with um as an as a student you know you are in a particular environment you go from your home to your university or school but once you're out in the real world it's just not that one area that you're going to to study you have to like you said banking housing traveling jobs like personal relationships there's just such a continuum that you have to uh, you have to deal with and that transition you know we have that transition managed really well i know in um certain england you know we have the ucas system and it kind of lots of information and i remember this web prospects website lots of information about what you want to study what you want to do um and it's managed really well uh, you know but afterwards like you know it's it's spot on absolutely agree with what you said um now moving on to the workplace erin you know what are your thoughts on how we can practically ensure that workplaces can become inclusive mental wellness spaces for all it's you know and I go back to what i talked about a bit earlier it is about recognizing everybody is and offering free online yoga classes pandemic or whenever is going to be what works for everybody much in the same way i think there was a lot of emphasis particularly during covid on sort of forced social activities in this environment right like you must interact with your colleagues on zoom or teams or whatever but if you're an introvert or if you're somebody where you may have social anxiety that isn't the best thing for you and then you may feel like you're letting down so i think a recognition that it's not a one size fits all approach and what i would really love to see and what i was working towards at a very draft level when I was part of the Zinc Academy and the Mental Health Fellowship piece was a, like a program that was part of induction and employee experiences. So organizations like Imperial and Cambridge, mental health and well-being was part of the employee onboarding experience. And training was provided for you know, directors, managers, anyone who was part of a team or leading a team to how to have those conversations, not to be experts or trained mental health first aiders even, but learning how to signpost people and to make them feel comfortable to approach them. And again, I'd like to see that done at the front end rather than somebody at a crisis point where they don't necessarily know where to go and the people trying to support them don't know where to go. Because I think that would alleviate a lot of sort of the quiet and the fear. I mean, that that would be my dream to see that. But I appreciate that takes a tremendous amount of resource. I think the other thing is we need more leaders to come out and talk about it, um, either, whether it's their lived experience or just talk normal, normalizing the conversation. Because it's it's not enough anymore if you're leading a team to just be good at your skill. Like it's great, you know, big deal. I can do a strategy, but I think the emotional intelligence piece is becoming more important and how we look after our teams and ourselves as role models. Like it's, if I don't look after myself, I can't role model that behavior to people I'm trying to support. So I think that expectation needs to be clear from organizations if they want to have healthy cultures. Absolutely agree with that. You know what you said about leadership as well, and kind of creating that culture, 
creating that culture of making it just not acceptable, but welcoming conversations that address mental wellness because everybody you know we all have bodies we all have minds you know we all get sick physically you know and psychologically as well I don't think there's a single person on the planet Erin that has never had a mental health crisis even if it's something that lasts a day an hour um, or somebody that's not had a negative thought there's not a single person on this planet that hasn't had the need for mental wellness so it's something that affects everybody and um, it's really it's really important that you've said yes that leadership do need to show that because if you're talking about skills yes everybody if you practice enough enough at it or if you study enough at it or you train enough at it you can gain that skill Um, but in this dimension of mental wellness this is something as you said across different cultures as well that tact that diplomacy that sensitivity to address that is really important because um, that one size glove is not going to fit everybody and you know you mentioned in certain cultures you it's, you, you can't really talk about it's not something that is, is seen to be talked about but I'm sure there's other alternative ways that it could be addressed maybe through sort of um, team bonding activities or physical activities you know certainly I know when I certainly struggle to talk about certain things I like to do things with adrenaline you know <laughs> just sort of like uh, activities yeah that you just kind of um, just just kind of focus on that and get the endorphins and then you can kind of feel out of place. So like you like you correctly identified, this is something that needs to also be addressed at all levels, grassroots to leadership. Um, what would be your final message um, regarding this and in terms of an outlook towards the future? I think the silver lining of COVID is that it's, brought a lot of what we've been talking about to light and like you were saying you don't have to have a diagnosed mental health disorder to have a struggle or a bad day or to have a situation in your life whether it's covid or um, losing somebody close to you you know moving house moving country any of those things can impact your mental health i think covid has certainly from talking to people close to me and colleagues a lot of people who sort of didn't have that awareness suddenly are like, oh my goodness, I understand what it feels like to maybe not feel my best, to feel a bit lonely or a bit anxious or, or, or whatever they're feeling. So I think COVID has been good in that sense and that it's a reset and those conversations are getting easier. And it's forcing organizations, you know, particularly in education, to look at the whole continuum, students, staff, faculty even um and words like burnout resilience like those are becoming part of our lexicon and much more normalized i do feel really hopeful there are so many excellent examples um you know of people doing incredible things and you know not just people like you know maybe people that you and i both look up to like it's easy it's not easy but somebody like for me you know michelle obama or Brené brown like those women are incredible role models But also, I can't necessarily relate to them the way I can relate to you having this conversation. So the more of this that we can do, the better, right? The more people who are just living their lives, you know, alongside of whatever happens to be going on and leading and speaking authentically, I think that's great. I think the other final thing for me that I always want to stress about being in the workplace is it doesn't 
you know, a bad day, mental health issues, it doesn't stop you from being successful. You can go out and do whatever you want. You may have to make some adjustments, but you can still be successful and really happy and have a great, big, brave and beautiful life. And nobody, like not your manager, not your organization, should prevent you from doing that. People should support you. And I think we need more people to show that. You know, that was my biggest fear is that Imperial at the time was going to say, oh my gosh, you can't do all these amazing things. You can't travel the world. You can't meet with alumni. You know, you can't speak uh, at business school events because I loved and I love my job so much. And I'm so proud. I'm so proud to work in Imperial. I'm so proud to work at Cambridge. And, you know, I'm I'm really happy in my role. So it, I think it's just, yeah, understanding that they're not, one doesn't cancel the other or vice versa.